0: welcome to daily breath 2023 let's pray gracious heavenly father we thank you for giving us this ash wednesday the beginning of a lenten season as the ashes remind us that we are made of the dust we pray that ashes also become the symbol of our repentance because you are the only amazing god while all other hopes in the world eventually become burned out and useless like ashes, you give us the true hope of a new creation through the sacrificial love and resurrecting power of your Son. It is our prayer that as a spring rejuvenate nature, our hearts and spirit will be renewed in your grace and truth. Bless us now as we begin our journey to the cross of Christ. In the most amazing name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. As I announced before, we are going to meditate on the entire Gospel of Mark during 2023 Lent. I must caution you that in order to cover the entire book in 40 days, we have to meditate on average 20 to 30 verses a day, which is a twice longer than most daily daily breath passages. So some days we will just focus on one episode among several stories. Other days we will just highlight the overview. Today I will do more like uh, highlighting an overview. So Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 20, that's our passage today, which talks about the Jesus forerunner, John the Baptist, and Jesus' own baptism and temptations and the call of disciples. So let me read a passage for us. This is the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, "Behold, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voiceable one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of for the Lord, make straight paths for him." John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of our sins. People went out to him from all of Jerusalem and the countryside of Judea. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John was clothed in camel's hair and leather belt around his waist. His food was a locust and wild honey. And he began to proclaim, After me will come one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with the, power, with the water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As soon as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens breaking open, and then Spirit descending on him like a dove, And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. At once the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, and he was there for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels ministered to him. After the arrest of John, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. Time is fulfilled, he said, and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. As Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. And I will make you fishers of a man, and at once they left their nets and followed him, going on a little farther saw James, son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat and mending their net, and immediately Jesus called them, and they left their father Zebedee, in the boat in the hut ha- with a hired man, and followed him. In this first part of the gospel, I want to share three things with you today. Mark's introduction of Jesus, interconnected witnesses of Jesus, and intention of the Holy Spirit. So three eyes: Mark's introduction of Jesus and interconnected witnesses of Jesus and intention of the Holy Spirit. First, Mark introduces Jesus to us straightforwardly in verse 1. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Here, Mark used two of his favorite words to communicate true identity of Jesus clearly. They are Christ, or meaning uh, Messiah or Savior, and then Son of God. This straightforward introduction and clear revelation of a Jesus' identity at the first sentence of the gospel, seems to contradict the rest of his writings because very soon we will find out a certain secrecy surrounding Jesus in the Mark story of Jesus. You know, when, whenever Jesus healed some sick people and cast demons or demons try to reveal his identity, our Lord commanded them to keep silent about his divine identity. So this command for secrecy was so repeated that the New Testament scholars gave a term for that. It's called messianic secrecy. Messianic secrecy. So why did Mark give the clear, straightforward introduction and conceal the secret description of Jesus' identity in the rest of his gospel? The reason for this is to prepare his readers to feel how tragic, how tragic and how grievous were the rejection of Jesus by his enemies and misunderstanding of Jesus by his disciples. Mark wanted his readers feel the pain of our false understanding and our disobedient response to Jesus. I believe that's what our God is going through in our in in his heart about so many unbelieving people in the world who reject Jesus or didn't know Jesus as well as untrusting disciples of Christ in the churches. Let us repent our own misunderstanding and distrust and disobedience to deny the true identity and authority of Christ in our lives during this Lenten season starting today. Second, in this story, we see the interconnected witnesses of Jesus. Mark quoted the prophecies of Isaiah and Malachi while describing the witness of John the Baptist about Jesus as well as Jesus' calling of his first disciples, who were four fishermen, Simon, Andrew, James, and John. By the way, two sets of brothers reveal that there is much more joy and camaraderie to serve God with our own siblings and families. I'm doubly bonded to my brother because of our shared conviction about Christ and his kingdom. My brother is a more than just a good, generous older sibling. He is my companion and collaborator in God's kingdom. And I hope and pray that all of us have a same spiritual relationship with our, our own siblings, there are many important lessons about these interconnected witnesses about Jesus. First off, the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Malachi tells us, along with so many of the Old Testament prophets, but they tell us that Jesus did not appear out of blue. Jesus did not appear out of blue. He was a result. And answers to all human yearnings to see God's promise fulfilled. Second, they all gave their lives for Jesus and God. They all sacrificed in their obedience and witnesses. They all and, and they all shine like stars for all of us in the kingdom of God. And third, and most relevant truth about this interconnected witnesses is the fact that is this fact, this spiritual fact that nobody comes to Jesus or God directly by himself or herself. Everyone has someone in their life who was forerunner of a Jesus. There is always someone like a John the Baptist who introduced us to Jesus. Could it be our parents? Could it be our Sunday school teachers? Could it be the pastors? No one has a direct and immediate encounter with God or Jesus. So, for instance, have you heard about someone named uh, Edward Kimball? Edward Kimball, he was a Sunday school teacher who led D.L. Moody to Christ when he was 17 years old. I, you know, D.L. Moody, when he uh, was, uh, when he graduated from elementary school, he was from Poor family. And mom sent to a relatives, uh, who has a shoe store in Chicago, and uh, apparently D.L. Moody was a really great salesman. Just like he became a great, you know, preacher later. Somehow his relative, you know, was jealous of uh, you know his nephew or his you know young nephew's popularity, so he put him in the uh, back uh, in the store. You know, doing a menial work instead of attending in you know, a customer. So DL Moody was very discouraged and they didn't know. And one day his Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball came and visited him and he told him how much God loved him. And that's how DL Moody received the life of God, a life of you know eternal life, and then became do you also know who led the Billy Graham to Jesus? It was a passionate evangelist named Mordecai Ham, who didn't have many converts in his revival preaching in a small town near Charlotte, North Carolina, in 1934, except a big-nosed, old rugged in a faced teenager named Billy. Behind the Moody's and Graham's, they are always Edward Kimball's and Mordecai hands. We all have our own interconnected witnesses. During this Lent 2023, let us pray for our VIPs, our individual and house church VIPs, and God use us, you and me, to be John the Baptist to them. Let us be the voice of God and much more hugs and kisses of God to our VIPs during the Lent. let's pray for them every day for next forty days. And the Easter we will have a you know a baptism. So I pray that hopefully maybe one of our you know some of our VIPs will join us. Third, this passage tells us the intention of the Holy Spirit when Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and filled him up with a power. What did he lead Jesus to? Look at the verse 12. At once the Spirit drove Jesus into wilderness, and he was there for 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels ministered to him. The first work of the Spirit on Jesus was to lead him to fast for 40 days and face Satan, face Satan, in the wilderness. Holy Spirit, listen to me, Holy Spirit empowered Jesus not for comfort but for combat. Holy Spirit empowered Jesus not for comfort but for combat. J.I. Packer, the author of a Knowing God, once said Holy Spirit's main ministry is not to give us thrills, but to create in us Christ like characters. Christ like characters is not formed in the bubble or comfort zone, but in the wilderness of obedience and service. Our Lord received the Holy Spirit not for his own sanctification, but for the salvation of sinners. I know many people want to experience the Holy Spirit, and many are fascinated with the Holy Spirit. And recently I heard about, I don't know when you guys heard about ongoing revival meetings at Asbury University in Kentucky, where people began to have, uh, uh, began to worship God 24-7, nonstop, since uh, February 8th, Wednesday two thousand, 2013, you know, uh, two weeks ago. And more than 50,000 people flock into a small college town of 6,000 people. Now, I believe more important than revival meetings is spiritual awakening, which is that serious fight against sins, disobediences, and carnal indulgences. Let us pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit upon everyone in forests so that we can be empowered to serve God and fight the influence of Satan against God's people during the Lent. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with His courage, so that we can serve God boldly and powerfully. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the witnesses, all the kimballs and Hams that led us to Jesus Christ in our lives. It is our prayer that we take our turn seriously and prayerfully so that we can lead others to Christ. We also ask your forgiveness for our disobedience and sometimes rejection of Christ's authority and identity in our lives, have a mercy on us and fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can serve you with the joy and sacrifice as Christ showed us. Help us to bless you, O Lord, in this Lent. All this we pray in the most blessed name of Jesus. Amen.